it. Did you know that Echo could be your place, your people, and your purpose? Yes, it's true. It's true, Mom! <laughs> Take your first steps into this life-giving local church and find the community and the support that you've been hoping for. Let us know that you're out there. Make a little comment, hit like, share this beautiful video with these beautiful humans. Echo Church, you are a generous church. Mm -hmm. You showed up this year. Yeah, you did. Thanks for believing in the vision of making a difference here, there, and everywhere. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to make an end-of-the-year donation for tax purposes, make sure to get her done before the clock ticks midnight on the 31st or 11.59 for those who procrastinate. Enjoy Echo Sunday service. Better do it, do it. Come let us worship our King. Come let us bow at His feet. He has done great Hungry.
excited for a really lame, bad dad joke today? I know y'all like it. I know you like it. I just embrace it at this point. Uh, here's my question. I couldn't bring myself to, to say this in front of the kids, but I will when they're gone. Uh, <clears throat> what's every parent's favorite Christmas carol? Silent night. I'll be here. Uh, I'll be here for one more hour here. No, it's, uh, uh, <clears throat> yes, I mean, isn't it wonderful to have our children uh, sleeping? Um, we do love, we love them, but we do like our break. Uh, so I was thinking the other day, I was thinking, I was thinking um, a couple of years ago, my, my family and I were ringing bells at the TJ Maxx Plaza. Anybody ring bells for the Salvation Army? Army? And uh, we were, we're ringing and we were just participating and we're dancing and, and we're singing and, and, uh, and doing our part, right, uh, as, as, as a, a festive family in the midst of the Christmas season. And what I noticed, though, was my second born, who's got a lot of energy, maybe was getting a little bored. She was, she was looking for a little bit of a challenge. She was looking for a little bit of excitement. And, and what she started doing was she started screaming as, pretty much as loud as she could, Merry Christmas to those people who were passing. So there were some, some really nice older ladies that I feel bad for because they, she just simply scared them. Uh, but what I saw was, was the first few times it was entertaining. And then after that, I was like, you know, this could really get us in trouble, uh, depending on the passion level of, of Kaya. And uh, here walks in a couple uh, really, really gruff guys. Like, I mean, they're, they're really, you know, like they kind of look a little scary uh, they don't really look like they should be shopping at the TJ Maxx Plaza or getting their nails done or heading into the boutique. It's a little, they kind of look like, a, like maybe a couple guys that should be on the second floor of Shields buying guns or something like that. And uh, anyway, but Kaya didn't see it like that. She didn't see this opportunity as something that she would shy away from and bringing fest, the festive nature of Christmas to these these mature individuals. And uh, so I remember when they came in from the, the, the door right away, Kaya screamed, Merry Christmas, and they were not entertained. <laughs> they, they were not gonna smirk. They weren't gonna do anything. They were, you know, obviously they were on a mission to, to find their significant other a gift, go, go in and uh, come out as fast as they could. Well, well, anyway, they didn't respond to her. And so like, I was like getting a little nervous inside because I knew what was gonna happen next. And by the time that they had come up to to us, Kaya screamed as loud as she could, Merry Christmas to these two guys again, and again with no response. And then I started getting nervous because I was like, Kaya does not give up that easy. And so finally, just as they were walking away, she just screams from the top of her lug, Merry Christmas. And finally, the two guys kind of turned around, like, you know, annoyed and said, Merry Christmas, mumbled, mumbled Merry Christmas. <laughs> And it was one of those moments where, where I, I experienced in, in real time where I was like, you know what? This is just the perfect picture of how all of us navigate Christmas. Some of us, man, we are just festive as all festive can be. We've got the Christmas the sweater and, and someone came in today and they had like light, light, like um, bubbly, bubbly lights and, and like reindeer ears and you know they were just I mean it was just like she came in with just such joy and then there's the rest of us who are like we just want to survive 
we want to make it through Christmas. And yes, we don't mind saying Merry Christmas. Just at least don't scream it at us. But I, I think that's how some of us navigate through it. And, and, and I think what happens is, is some of us, we just struggle uh, uh, with, with everything because I think sometimes we look at Christmas and we know what it was meant to be, but really what it is now is just two different things. And what I want to do here as your pastor is just help us navigate through Christmas a little more. In fact, if I, if I can say it like this, I'd like to put Christ's in this season just a little more. So as we're doing this new series that, that sounds a little weird, Christ more, I want it to be a reminder that, that Jesus is the reason for the season. And I want to do my best at leading all of us to just put Jesus at the center of it all. And in order to do that, let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. And this is the... That really, this is a Christmas narrative, and many of you, if not all of you, have heard this a few times. You've read this in your kids' Christmas books, and uh, let's go ahead and dive in that today. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. What we see here right now is there are two individuals in this story. There's two characters. You've got King Herod and then you have the Magi. Let me tell you a little bit about King Herod. He was a ruthless individual. He, 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 and he was power hungry. And, and so in order for us to navigate correctly through this story, you just have to understand this was not a good guy. Uh, in contrast, there's these individuals called the, the Magi, and, and just so you know, in the background of their story and, and, and what history teaches us is there are people who believe that the Magi most likely traveled 900 miles, 900 miles to come visit this coming king, this child, this, this promise to be king. And so there's, there's these, these individuals that are making great effort to take steps towards Jesus, take towards, towards to, uh, to God at this specific time. Uh, what we also know about them is, is uh, this wouldn't have been just a, a few of them. It wouldn't have been three of them. It was a significant caravan of, of people that would have uh, would have spent a lot of money and a lot of time, and I said a lot of effort to get to Jesus. They also were most likely the famous class of astrologers and dream interpreters that would actually historically potentially lead us way back to even the story of Daniel in the Old Testament. And so these guys were, were, were well-known people. They were well-off people. They were, they were on like the journey of their lifetime to, to see if they could collide into this, this promised uh, moment where this savior would come. Now, what's interesting enough is uh, astrology in, in that day was a forbidden practice, uh, but it was... It was a common belief in the culture, much like science is to, like today. And what I find fascinating about this story is that God uses uh, pagan, the pagan practice to lead people to Jesus. 
And what I want to remind you with, with that simple thought there is, is Christmas is not what it was intended to be from the beginning. I can guarantee you what we experience and what we kind of navigate through on a yearly basis is just a figment of what the original intent of Christmas was. But I want to tell you this, God is bigger than any kind of practice, any kind of tradition, any kind of concern, any kind of wrong desire we, we might have, and, and that God uses those things, and his hope is this, is to point us back to Jesus. And so in this season, we want to put Christ more back where, it sh- where he should be. And so let's continue on this story. In verse 2, Uh, What happens is the Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. And when King Herod heard, uh, he was disturbed. And oh, by the way, all Jerusalem was disturbed with them because they knew who Herod was. They knew what he was capable of. They had heard the stories and how that Herod murdered his own son because he was worried that they would go ahead and take his throne. And when he had called together all the, people, all the people's chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them, where is the Messiah going to be born? And they said, in Bethlehem, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Now, the reason why Herod has a problem with that is because he is known as the king of the Jews. That is his place. That's his position. That's what he's trying to lead. And, and so obviously these type of murmuring and these type of rumors are not making him feel comfortable with his future. And so then Herod calls the Magi secretly and, and found out from them the exact time when the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so then I might go and worship him. Now we know the end of the story, but they didn't know the story. And, and right now what, what, what they were thinking is that Herod has got the same intention to go serve, to go bow down, to go uh, rejoice and praise this new coming king. But in verse 19, we see after they had heard the king, they went on their way and And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. And their response was to bow down and to worship him. And then they opened up their treasures and presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Thematically, what we see in this story is this, is worship. And the statement that I want to make to you today is this, is we all worship something or we all worship someone. And it's not different here in this story. We see Herod and, and, and he's worshiping something and, and the Magi has this desire to worship something or someone. And, and my question to you today is, is this, is what are you worshiping? If we're not careful, we end up beginning to worship something that we never stepped out to begin to, 
to, or intended to worship. And, and Herod, what we can see here is, man, he, he, he idolizes, he, he begins to idealize uh, his own power. He's concerned about his security. He, 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 he's potentially even concerned about his reputation. Because if there's a coming king and if he looks the other way, then that ruthless king that he chose, he chose to be would be something that would be laid to the wayside. Herod worshiped himself and his desires. And what I find absolutely fascinating is this, even though the Magi come from a different faith background, they come from a, 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 really a, a different faith tradition is, is whatever they were using that eventually got them to Jesus, they laid down. And what we see is this, is the Magi, they bent their knees. They, they put themselves in a posture of surrender. They made great effort to get to the place where Jesus was, and they eventually offered gifts. And, and I would just say this, is I, th I think if we're going to navigate the Christmas season, if we're going to put Christ in this season more, then what we've got to start asking ourselves is this, is who are we worshiping? What are we worshiping? I mean, really, is this season all about us? I mean, in a holiday where Jesus is supposed to be at the center, man, it is so easy to, to lose our attention with our own desires and, and, and get so fixated on the traditions and the activities and all the plans that we are just participating in. See, what I want to tell you today is that the Christmas season is all about worship. It always has been, and it always should. And the Christmas season, though, will always reveal to us what we worship. It just, it just does. It begins to bring the best, but yet it can bring the worst out of us. What I find fascinating about worship is that worship was, was something that the enemy tried to tempt Jesus with. This is, in the next few chapters in Matthew 4, we, say, we see that when Jesus is stepping into his, his ministry, Satan has him in the desert, and, and that temptation... Uh, one of the temptations that brought to Jesus, our Savior, is for him to worship Satan. Satan says, say, Jesus, bow down to me and I will give you everything. And I'm just saying this, if Jesus is being tempted this way, how much more are we being tempted even in this season? And some of you are not quite there yet. And you're like, man, I don't know if I do worship anything. I don't know if, like, if we all worship something. Well, then bring your kids to Target and bring them to the toy section and start telling me they don't worship anything. <laughs> and then start looking within yourself and go, okay, oh, am I comfortable right now when they're screaming and yelling, buy me this toy? Because what happens is in that season or that, that little scenario, what I find myself uh, growing uncomfortable about is, is how I'd like to be viewed, right? My reputation in that specific scenario. So when my kids are acting out, it feels like it's a reflection of me and which begins to kind of reveal to me, what am I idealizing? What am I worshiping? What am I putting over, maybe over things that matter most? We all worship something. And so I thought what I'd do just really quickly is just to teach all of us about worship. And I'd like to just simply ask this question or be able to um, 
uh, answer this is what is worship anyway? Worship is this word that we use within the church or, or you hear in, in, in spiritual terms throughout. But I think a lot of times we, we kind of just glance over it and we just assume we understand what it is or what it is not. And so let me tell you a few things, five things about worship. Number one, worship is more than singing. <laughs> I mean, I love our band. Does anybody else love our band? I mean, don't they do a phenomenal job? I mean, man, it really does. It provides... Uh, me a space and, and a place to get my mind in a right focus to begin to honor God and, and to, to, to lift my hands and to dance and to, and to and really vocally just, just audibly say thank you to Jesus. But it's not everything. It was never meant to be everything. In fact, when I was in youth ministry for 15 years, one of the things that I tried to do was, was try to stay away from calling what happens on stage worship, but try to help and ex explain to them that, that it was a better maybe term would be musical expression, that what we do on stage, what we do on a Sunday morning in that type of an environment isn't just worship. It, it really is a reflection of how we're supposed to be living our life throughout the week. It's supposed to be a response. It's supposed to be just kind of this haram moment where we all come in, and yes, it's this expression of how we're living our week, how are, we, how are we living our life. How about this, uh, what is worship anyway? Worship is more than attending a church once a week. I think, I think we're not careful. We begin to believe that it's just this weekly visit. I think when we start looking at some of the, 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 the uh, Christmas narratives, it's cool to see some people that, that, um, that visited Jesus once, but how many of you know that our calling isn't just to, to visit Jesus once, but to continue to return to him and to continue to worship him on a daily basis? See, what you have to understand is this, is worship is your calling. It's not just a moment. It's not just a church service. It's not a, lo a location. You were saved to worship. A lot of times we look at our, ourselves, we look at our spirituality, we look at what Jesus has done for us, and we start saying things like this. Well, no, actually, Jesus saved me from my sins. No, actually, Jesus, yes, he saves you from your sins, but he saves you to worship him. Yeah. That's, his, that's your response to the grace that he's given to you. So worship is meant and, 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 and meant for us to understand as our calling. It's one of our greatest purposes. And it's not just on the weekend. It's not supposed to be just on a Sunday. Here's another one. What is worship anyway? Worship is spiritual and it is physical. Worship is supposed to encompass every part of our being. Uh, honestly, worship is supposed to be emotional. Uh, worship is actually supposed to be mental. It, it, it isn't just supposed to be uh, us repeating words or just singing. It's supposed to touch every part of our life, every part of our being. And, and, and really, I would just say this, worship is always meant to be an approach an approach to go, you know what? Every aspect of my life is available for your worship. And Lord, here it is. Worship is meant to be more than just spiritual. And it's not just supposed to be 
physical. In fact, I would say it like this. I want to be a worshiper. I want to learn how to be a worshiper that, that, that actually is, is more expressive than the way that I watch a football game. The more, more than I cheer my kids on and, and through life, I, I want to get to a place where one of the most exciting aspects of my life is how I worship the king. What is worship anyway? How about this? Worship should be intentional. See, everyone worships something. Only a few of us will choose who we worship. And I want to I choose to worship Jesus. I want to choose to worship God. And, and if I'm going to do that, I've got to posture myself with reverence. And, 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 and I need to, 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 to be committed to respond no matter what the circumstance, no matter my life situation, to respond in praise. Because it's so easy to navigate through a Christmas season or, or ups and downs of life and, and get so concerned about myself and, and really just posture myself in, in different uh, areas in different life to, to kind of navigate it through myself and to begin to forget that I'm actually, and no matter what the circumstance is, is I'm, I'm called to worship. I'm called to praise. I'm called to honor God. And I'm also called to remain humble. N.T. Wright says this about worship. Already we see the inner logic of worship. Worship means literally acknowledging the worth of something or someone. It means recognizing and saying that something or someone is worthy of praise. It means celebrating the worth of someone or something far superior to oneself. That is the worship that is going on in heaven, in God's dimension all the time. And the question we ought to ask be asking ourselves is how best might I join in? How might we join in to what is going around us? Can we be that intentional worshiper? How about this? And this is the last uh, component of teaching us how to worship and understanding worship better is worship is a perspective. Worship is a perspective. And let me say it like this. I think as Christians, as followers of Jesus, uh, we get to choose our angle. And the more I've navigated in faith and the more I've grown in my faith, the more I've served God, I've seen things kind of like pop up to the surface that begin to challenge, like, 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 like situation begin to challenge where my heart is and where my perspective is and, and, and how I view God or who I view God is. I mean, in certain circumstances where I've prayed and I've said, God, you know what, if, if you know... May I, God, if you just answer my prayer like this, and then when he doesn't answer it the way that I ask, it begins to reveal to me that when in my disappointment, that I'm no longer looking God, I'm not looking up to God, but I might have placed God just a little bit next to me. And if we're not careful as Christians, uh, we, we position ourselves even over God where we begin to look down on Jesus. And what I don't want to do is, 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 is lose the correct angle. I want to posture myself in a place of reverence. I want to begin to understand that to be a worshiper and, and to begin to understand who God is is that I'm a part of what is what I'd call a progressive 
understanding that who I know God as now will not maybe it may not be the same perspective I have years down the road on who God is. It doesn't mean that God is changing, but it means my perspective is and my understanding with experiencing God in different ways. But regardless of my progression or degression, regression, and I want to position myself as a humble servant of God. I want to begin to, to worship God and his greatness and his his grandness and, and, and be, be able to stay uh, reverent to who God is. That's what it means to worship. Worship is a perspective. What I think is absolutely phenomenal in this story is the Magi come and they see the mother and the child and that's what they see, yet they bow their knee to worship. What I think is absolutely inspiring about the Magi is this, is they see beyond the child and they see the king. They don't just see Jesus as this meek child, but they can see his majesty. The beauty of worship isn't when you fully understand, it's when you don't fully know the greatness of God and you still bend your knee, you still raise your hand and you choose to live a life that is a sacrifice of praise. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven on earth and under earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God, the Father. The power of worship is choosing to worship because the truth be told one day, we will see God for who he is and every single one of us will be on our knees. And I want to be a person that, that, that sees the meekness of Jesus, but worships God and his majesty for who he is before I even understand it. A.W. Tozer writes this book called Worship. It's a reason, uh, the reason we were created, collected insights of Tozer. And, and in fact, if you want to go a little deeper in worship, I would, would strongly encourage you to pick this up. And I just have to warn you, uh, it, some of this is not politically correct in, in today's day and age, but he's got a great perspective on worship. And I think some of you who want to go deeper would truly enjoy it. But in this book, he writes, I can remind you, I can only remind you of our great needs in this terrible day when men and women are trying their best to cut down God to their size. M many also believe that it is possible to gain control of the sovereign God and think him down to a plane where they can use them as they want to. But I tell you again that God saves us to be worshipers. May God show us a vision of ourselves that will just disvalue us to a point to total devaluation. And from there, he can raise us up to worship him and to praise him. 
I think that's what I want Christmas to be about this year is I want us to, to get the right perspective. I want us to be uh, walking around in, in Rochester and, and living in your homes, going to your workspaces with the best intention, understanding that church isn't this a place of worship, but you are called to live a life of worship. I want us to embrace that calling that God has over us, that God has created you to worship. Jesus, today, my prayer for us, for me, for Echo Church, is that you would give us a heart to worship. That God, you would remind us of our calling, God, that God, you would begin to to create in us a clean heart, God, that you would begin to to put it in our hearts and our desire to become better worshipers, God, that you would begin to, to God, just just be merciful, be graceful. Would you lead us? Would you be patient with us, God? For some of us who who don't completely under, uh, people who don't completely understand this concept, God, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would go ahead and just guide us. And, And God, I just ask that you would begin to open our hands and use our hands to worship. God, that you would go ahead and use our feet, God, no matter where we go, that we would worship you. God, I just ask that you would go ahead and you would uh, rework and, and reorganize our heart, that we would have a heart to worship. God, I just ask that you would just touch our mind, God, that, that even in our mind and our thoughts, that we would go ahead and posture even that space to be a place of worship and honor that you would just continue to help us understand you more and more. God, I just, even in this day, like today, God, and and what we call Echo, uh, the Big Give Sunday, God, I just ask that you would even use our finances to worship you, to honor you, God, to, to glorify your kingdom here on earth. God, have every aspect of our life. In Jesus' name, make us worshipers. Amen. Is God good? Will you stand up just before we take a moment and sing a song of praise and say thank you to God and and really just practice what what I just preached? I want to invite some people to take a step towards God today. I, I understand that every week there's someone that comes in to echo feeling as if they're far from God and it just simply doesn't need to be that way. That God did save you. God desires to rescue you. That God accepts you for who you are and God wants to forgive you and that God wants to have a relationship with you. That's what we understand here at Echo. And so every week we come to the table of God and we surrender because we know we can't do life alone. I want to invite you into a relationship with God by praying this prayer with us today. Let us pray. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again all the time. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. Amen.
know, I was thinking about what Pastor Andy was talking about a little bit ago with the idea that the Magi saw past what was right in front of them to what really was. Jesus, the baby in the cave, was actually the king. And what I think is interesting is in the culture we live in, it's so easy to just see what's right in front of you and not see what really is. Like one of my favorite things about Christmas is like everybody sings about Jesus. Whether they realize it or not, they're singing joy to the world. They're singing about Jesus. And I just wonder if we, and by the way, when I say we, what I really mean is me, I felt really convicted today to see past what's right in front of us and see what really is. And maybe make Christmas really about Chris, or really about Christ this year. Just a little more, just a little, point a little more towards Jesus. Now, Echo, one of the things we love to do as a church is we love to celebrate. Can we celebrate those that said the prayer for the very first time today? Come on. Oh, let's keep celebrating those that came into the room for the very first time. Welcome to Echo. We're so glad you're here. Echo Church, can we just tell you, uh, when it comes to you as a church, your generosity has continued to amaze us. Remember, Big Gift Sunday, the idea of giving now and giving in the future and making a difference. I want you to know the vision of the church is huge and big, and we want to see lives changed in our area and around the world but we can only do that at the speed that the church is willing to be generous. Thank you so much for who you are. Thanks for all you do. Echo Church, we love you so much. Have an amazing week.